0: Ian Williams is the author of Personals, Not Anyone's Anything, You Know Who You Are, a finalist for the Relit Prize for Poetry. He was named one of the 10 Canadian Writers to Watch by CBC. His new book is a novel called Reproduction, A Love Story, about the way that families are formed. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Welcome uh, to Toronto. Now, this show will be heard all across the country, but you're in from Vancouver.
1: From Vancouver, yeah. I used to live in Toronto, and I moved to Vancouver in 2016.
0: Yeah, because you're a university professor yeah, there now, at, right,
1: at UBC. At UBC, yeah, right. Yeah, what's, right. The,
0: uh, what's the, the the life of an academic now <laughs> like in British Columbia? Well, the good thing about
1: my department is it's sort of an academic, for sure, but also like a creative place as well. Mm-hmm. So on my floor, the fourth floor of Buchanan E, it's just all writers there. Wow. And so we kind of understand we don't need to justify our choices or, you know, I need some time to write. And in academic departments, you feel a lot more of that need to sort of justify. But no, it's a really healthy place, that creative Writing program even after its problems uh, over the last few years. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: there were there, there was some controversy. Oh yeah, uh, and that has now seemed to settle. Yeah, like
1: really great people at the helm, Alex Oline and Linda and and Annabelle. Really healthy people, just uh, shaping the tone of the department. So it's a good place to work. It's actually the best working environment I've ever been in. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it, as a writer, and particularly I would guess as a poet, hmm. it's probably a good idea to have. A steady income coming in, just from a you know sort of a, a very practical point of view. Absolutely. because it's, it can be tough out there. Right? That's
1: right. That's right. I mean, I don't think poets go into it for the money, right? You know, it's not like you know <laughs> economics or business or something. Yeah, we're in it for other reasons. But yeah. there are other you know valuable things in life apart from money. I mean, yeah. poets kind of remind us that you know life's worth living, even if you can't make a great income. And we also have that romance of of the poor artist, right? I mean, we keep that myth alive. <laughs> so. Yeah. Now, uh,
0: each of your books is very personal. Mm. Each of the books of poetry, which I just mentioned in the new book even, mm. uh, but you say that you know who you are is about coming to terms with your identity as a black man. Mm. Not anyone's anything uh, said, you said was about letting go of the adolescent self-delusion that you are special. <laughs> and then personals, uh, you're exploring the search for external connection. Mm. And, you know, all those books were books of poetry. Is it easier to explore Mm. those ideas in a kind of abstract way Mm. through poetry than it is through prose? Mm. And we'll get to reproduction soon. We'll get to your new novel soon. Sure. But is is it different?
1: Well, it is different. Actually, I go back and forth between poetry and prose, Mm -hmm. right? So this is the first novel, but the middle collection, there was a a collection of short stories. So I feel really comfortable in both genres, you know, to swing back and forth. Um, Yeah, they say... That, you know, one can't be good at, like, a poet... You know, is a pure poet and can't be good in uh, another genre, but I actually just feel I describe it as being bilingual, right? Like I feel comfortable in poetry and I speak <laughs> prose as well, yeah. and I swing back and forth between projects. Uh, this is different. The novel's different because of the scale of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, going from making a short film to making like a feature film. Uh, and so there are things to learn just craft wise in terms of writing a first novel, and it took a long time for that reason. It took six years. It took six years. Yeah. That's a big chunk of life. When Three you look years. back over a career and think, you know, I've worked on this one thing for six years. I'm not sure in many professions that you could say that I've been building this thing for for six years, maybe your own company or something.
0: Your own company or if you're, we had a drug designer in here a while huh. ago and he told me about spending years working on, you know, creating a new drug he's trying to find, uh, he's working in uh, dementia and he's mm-hmm. trying to find dementia drugs and they take years to work on. That's right. But, but I asked him and I'll ask you the same question. Mm. Where does the passion come from to stay with one story or one kind of idea and there's many ideas in the book but mm-hmm. you know the book is one idea essentially right. for six years.
1: yeah there are many temptations along the way to sort of abandon the project or discard it <laughs> or what have you right It's a long long and difficult uh, slog through uh, but you know the real pleasure and the joy if it comes in like the dailiness of the work mm-hmm. so I don't always think about the end of the book or the old and the the goal is not oh, What's random house going to say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, it's the daily kind of sitting down, one paragraph at a time. Is this the right word in this sentence? You know, uh, am I really getting at the the heart of this character in this moment in this scene? And the pleasure of just returning to the desk day after day. You know, um, that's kind of what I hope to teach students, (laughs) you know, this pleasure of returning. Like, they're very interested in publishing and, you know, getting their work out into the world. And that's just a piece of the whole life, right, the sharing of it.
0: It it, it is, you know, and and there's a great movie called Patterson about a poet. (laughs) I, I love this movie. Adam Driver plays a poet who will not share his work with anyone. Right. and He's a bus driver, right? He's a bus driver in Patterson, New Jersey. Right. And his name, I think, is also Patterson. Right. And and so he's got a a notebook and he writes uh, these poems and we see little snippets of them throughout the film, but not that much. Were teased by them. Mm. Uh, and then one day, this doesn't give anything away, his dog eats the book, and uh. that's it. There's The poems are gone, uh. and he's despondent. He doesn't know what to do, and then he's out for a walk. He sits on a park bench. A stranger sits next to him, uh. and they talk, and the stranger says, well, I also am a poet. I'm visiting from Japan, and I've got a gift I'm going to give you, and he gives him a book, and uh. Adam Driver thinks, oh, it's a book of poetry. I, I really, I'm still despondent <laughs> over my. I don't want to look at it, and it turns out it's a blank book uh-huh. and the and the writer says something that has stayed with me ever since and I think is such a potent message for for anyone who wants to create something is every page is a possibility. That's right. You don't have to look at it That's as right. the enemy. You don't have to look at it as something you've got to finish or you've got to, it. That's every right. page can be whatever you want yeah. it to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I really believe in greeting the work with love, you know, mm-hmm. to approach it not as this thing that I'm going to fix and I'm going to edit and tinker and all of that. Yeah. That's part of the process. But to wake up in the morning and say, you know, good morning, <laughs> novel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, how are you doing today let's see where we left off and to really go at it with an attitude of uh, of affection yeah. um rather than oh gotta get this done it's just not working that kind of thing right it's it's all in the mind i've heard about patterson yeah i haven't seen it it sounds it's actually fantastic. it sounds really really yeah. good it, and it's, i know
0: i just kind of blew part of it for you but yeah. It's still, yeah it, it's, it's a fantastic movie all right. the way through mm. do you it sounds like you edit as you go you mm. say you know looking for the right word here like mm. the, does this paragraph work mm. um I've written a bunch of books as well and I tend to edit I I, I tend to edit as I go I Uh, tend to to work and kind of edit as I go it is just how I it's my mm, process Yeah. everyone's got a different one is that part of your no that's
1: not actually my process right so I'm like a bit the first draft out, like right. a really sort of messy writer, I'm not sure what it's, how it holds together, what it's right. about, but I feel like I need to get the whole arc, the entire story out of my head, right? right? It's just too big to contain there. But I know writers like you, Richard, right? Who will sort of write a sentence and they go back and they, they move on. Um. After they're satisfied with yeah. with what happens, it makes for slower writing, your Doesn't, process. It sure but it means you get cleaner writing at the end of it. So that's the benefit. Yeah,
0: and I still love working with an editor. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, m- uh, the book that took the longest for me was about two and a half years, and it's a nonfiction book about a movie called The Devils. Mm. And uh, part of it was just tracking down everyone that was involved in the film, the yeah. making of the film. Nonfiction. For many years, yeah, know all that stuff. It's nonfiction. Yeah. But I. I labored over that sentence by sentence and then I gave it to an editor and, and it changed again. Uh, and, and it was a fascinating oh. process to see. You see, that's brutal. Yeah, it can be. <laughs> that is brutal, right? <laughs> to labor and
1: then to then do it all over. So I, I write messy first drafts and then I go through. This took 12 drafts, but usually it's about seven drafts or right. so. And each draft has a purpose. So I'm yeah. only looking for structure in this draft or right. character in this draft or setting in this draft. Um, and by the time I get to the end of it, it, right, I, I feel like why am I tinkering with sentences if I'm not sure if that whole section is going to stay? Right. 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 So some people have a more organized kind of mind, but I need to kind of explore on the page.
0: I think yeah. because mine was fact-based mm-hmm. that I really needed. I felt just to keep this very complicated story in my head right. that I really needed to make sure that I was ready to move on to the next phase right. before I finished. You know, the right. phase before. So then or you outlined then.
1: Are you an outliner? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, it makes a difference. It right? does
0: make a difference, and, mm-hmm. and it helps uh, form the structure of the book. I'm speaking with Ian Williams. His new book is called Reproduction, and it's in bookstores right now. I mean, you can find it in bookstores. You can find it online, Amazon.ca, all the places that you buy fine books. Um you mentioned characters working with characters and mm-hmm. things. Douglas Copeland told me one time that it's almost as if his characters are sitting on his shoulders, whispering <laughs> ideas in his head, and, and I that ha, it's an image that stayed with me. Is it <laughs> like that for you? Well,
1: devils or schizophrenia or something <laughs> else it could be another explanation for that. But no, not not quite like that. So they emerge, right? I, I think about them just shifting the metaphors. All yeah. I'm doing here, but they emerge. So army in this book, like, emerged as a kind of voice, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty lady, how you doing today, right? Like this voice that just kind of started emerging. Um, Edgar started off as a gesture of a man sort of gripping his wrist, and then the rest of his body took shape, and then his past took shape. And just a detail from Felicia's life uh, came to me first. And then they kind of reveal it really requires a kind of patience, Mm -hmm. right? You can push your way towards them, but there's this slow kind of... um, Unveiling—it's almost like they're waiting to see if they can trust you. And I don't know—I I know I'm speaking about it slightly preciously and well, as if isn't they're But not that kind like any kind of
0: friendship? Maybe yeah. you know—you have to learn, you have to get to know the yeah. people, and sometimes it takes a little while. That's right. Yeah. But these—the
1: the, your own figments of imagination here are seeing whether they trust you. Like, what kind of fragmenting of the self <laughs> does that say? Like, your own self is waiting to say, "Can I trust you with this kind of gift that I'm about to unleash on you?" And so, it requires a kind of patience in combination with discipline, right, to get the to get a book done and to get characters written.
0: And once, is there a moment at which you go, I've gone as far as I can with this person? Or mm. is, is there always going to be more? Are you mm. still thinking about the characters in this book? I still Even do. Even though I'm sitting here with a finished <laughs> copy of it in I, front of me.
1: I still do. I still do. They really do take on a kind of independent life once the book comes out and stuff. But I was at uh, Ocean's Asian Supermarket, like in Brampton over Christmas, uh, with my mom. And she was off doing something, and I was like at the fish counter, and I was looking at the men's scale fish. And I was like, Hendrix would love this, right? (laughs) A character from it. And every once in a while, I've got like this. uh, I was in the car yesterday with Scott Sellers, my publicist. And we were listening to 70's music driving back from Hamilton, and uh, like a song came on and I was like, "Oliver, this is Oliver's jam right here, wow. right? Like they, they come to me at, at, at various moments in life, and that shows that they're, they've got a kind of, you know when you think, "Oh my friend would really like this shirt or this yeah. dress, uh, they really have preferences and likes and dislikes and personality separate from me, right so that I feel just connected to them and not in
0: control of them. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Ian Williams. The book is called Reproduction, and I want to find out what reproduction is about for you. Welcome back, everybody. Ian Williams is my guest. The book is called Reproduction. Uh, It's a love story about the way that families are formed. And we were talking earlier, and uh, each of your other books has been a personal story for you, a connection. They're mm. not autobiographical, no. but they, they, they mean something to you uh, if you're willing to sort of poke around there and look mm. and find that meaning mm. as a reader. Uh, what does reproduction mean to you?
1: Mm. Yeah, so it's not autobiographical, right? And I, I get this question quite a bit. And I take it as a great compliment that it feels real and it feels true. Uh, but so I'm in my late 30s right now. I'm 39. And the books that I've written previously really felt um, like period pieces for certain <laughs> points in, in my life, right? Um, so the last one, uh, Personal, is all about finding connection and finding love and uh, finding romance and just the difficulty of being uh, young and um, young and looking in this age, right, right. In, among all this digitalia that we have here. And so right now this feels like a book that steps just of beyond that, and says, "So what about our families, right? So after you found that person, what do families like? How do families even work, right? <laughs>
0: and how do you find people? Like how yeah. how does how, how do people come together and decide to stay together?
1: It's incredible, yeah. right? Like this, the random forces that draw our parents together, yeah. and that they decide and commit to bond to each other forever. I think that's nothing short of a miracle, right? Not everybody." like grows up with a person that they're going to marry, you just find somebody on the planet that you didn't know before and decide, yeah, I'm going to (laughs) take this chance on this person forever. That's miraculous to me. That's miraculous. Yeah, Felicia and Edgar meet in a hospital room as their mothers
0: are dying. Yeah, and they're strangers. So yeah, their Total mothers strangers. are they they are complete strangers, their mothers are dying, and they have the kind of conversations that people have when you don't think you're gonna see the person again. <laughs> and it's one of those sort no. of things that uh, it was my take on it anyway, is mm. a kind of conversation that you reveal a lot of stuff sure. because we're in a, it, it, it's like you're on a plane that's about to crash. And you're like, well, I may as well just tell, <laughs> I may as well say everything right now that's that right. I want to say. And then that's the right. plane doesn't crash.
1: It's it exactly, right? <laughs> that's it exactly. But we don't do this with just anybody. It's mm-hmm. odd. Yeah. I think there's something uh, like below the surface, right, that connects us to certain strangers and not others. And certain times in our lives we need people. And other times we're content to kind of just listen to our headphones and stare ahead. Um, but yeah, uh, there there there's occasionally the the person that your heart sort of leaps up within you and says, you know you can talk to this person. Yeah. This person's okay. And then they respond. And then this bond kind of forms, right? So, yeah, it, it's rare when it happens. But when it happens, it's glorious.
0: And, well, And it's and it feels uh, – you, you really get a sense of that from the book. And I know when it happens to me, and I know when it's happening. I'm like, there is no real reason why I should be talking to this complete stranger. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah. And, and I've often wondered about it. In the same way that you wonder, like, you know, why is – uh one person a bigger movie star than the other. It's charisma. It's something that you can't quite yeah. put your finger What's on. What's your theory this... on that? I'd be curious. for yeah. that. What's... <laughs> but, there, but there's just something. There is yeah. just something the that, itch, that, right? that yeah. yeah that that is, I think, undescribable. And yeah. it happens and and away you go. Huh.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. That's actually fascinating, right? What makes a star and what separates,
0: you know, this person out of 8 billion. And and why do we want to watch them? And which connects to why do we want to spill our most personal stories to someone we've just met?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we have like a voyeuristic capacity in us as humans. But there's also something great about learning about that other person too, right? Mm -hmm. You get the slice of life with someone that you wouldn't ordinarily meet or speak with. I actually feel this way about my brother. Like if my brother and I were not related, uh, we would never meet in our whole lives. So he, was a, he was super cool in school and, you know, he's really easygoing and whatnot. And But it's been like one of the great blessings of my life that this coincidence of like, I don't know, soul implantation happened right. like in our family. And my brother and I grew up beside each other like a year and a half apart. Very, very different people. Huh. But to understand how he looks at the world and how he sees the world. Uh, I would never have that lens and to be locked into it, right? Yes. Not to choose to say, you know, you choose when you call your friend or when you send a message or whatever, but to be locked into, say, sharing a bedroom with, with your brother right. and being say, no, you got to clean up your side of the room, right? <laughs> like that kind of it's like, why does it matter to you? So, yeah, I mean, those are the great things about, um, about these random kinds of connections and
0: then commitment sort of yeah. um, anchoring that. And you say that you wanted to push what a novel could do with mm. this. So over six years mm. and 12 drafts, yeah. how did you accomplish that? Mm.
1: Yeah, you know, like film is super innovative. Music has all of these innovations. But there's been too much talk, I think, of poetry and the novel being dead as forms. Right. They, are, they are far,
0: far from dying. Uh, and and I, I agree. And, yeah. and I think uh, every time I've released a book... Mm for the the last 15 years i've always thought oh, this is going to be the last book that you're going to be able to hold in your hand. <laughs> no. Everything else is going to be digital after that and it's and it has never no. been true and it's
1: not going that way no.
0: anytime soon. No.
1: No, people like pretty books and they want yeah. books and there's something about the object that that matters too. I mean, the book is a piece of technology, yeah. right? Like we just manipulate it and we're so used to it. It's been around for a while that we don't really marvel at how special it is. So the kind of fiction and the kind of poetry that i want to write like celebrates print and celebrates textuality, right? Like, these are books that are very hard to translate into film without losing something. The real pleasure is the experience of seeing that page and seeing how Um, how thoughts move on the page, how it's laid
0: out. Well, you talk about film, and I'm speaking with Ian Williams, the author of Reproduction. It's in stores right now, and you can find it on Amazon.ca, and wherever you buy books. And we're going to run out of time in this segment, but you talk about how this would be difficult to translate into film. I thought of Rashomon while I was going through this, because it it felt like there were different points of view being presented kind of at the same time. And it's been done there, and in many (laughs) films since then, so maybe...
1: I'm skeptical. Really? <laughs> I'm still skeptical about it. Yeah, there are parts of the book at the end where the book gets cancer, and how do you have a tumor on a film, right? How yeah. do you have these growths growing out of yeah. out of a film? I don't know. Like maybe overlay it. I, I just don't know. I don't have the vocabulary for for
0: film. Yeah, you need to find uh, I don't know Christopher Nolan or someone like <laughs> that, someone who's pushing the form. It's great. Uh, who in would a do different that? Way? I don't yeah. know
1: who would be good for that actually. Probably some like Canadian experimental filmmaker yeah. that, that I don't know, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: It'll happen. It'll mm. happen. Mm. Uh, so you don't write with a you, you write uh, completely with an eye toward the the page and nothing but. So I, I like a good story as much as anybody, right? Like the
1: the stories cre- is key. Like plot matters, right? I'm not one of these writers that dismisses plot and mm. thinks, oh, it's all about you know, the art of senses. That's yeah. important, but we, we actually care about story too. Um, but story crossed also with the telling of the story. And so, yeah, I want something inimitable, right? Yeah. That, that it only can be a book and preferably like only a printed book too, yeah. right? So we're having some difficulty like making an audiobook out of this. It's going to come out in about a month or so. Um, but it's been Are a real challenge it?
0: for them. I am not reading yeah. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They've got trained voice actors doing that. I'm in conversation with Ian Williams. Uh, The book is called Reproduction. It's in stores right now. You can find it wherever you buy books as well as online. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the different kinds of love that are represented in this book. Generational love, parental love, fraternal love, and the poet's. Domain Romantic Love. Welcome back. I'm Richard Krauss. In studio, Ian Williams is visiting. Reproduction is the name of his book. Uh, And this is a book uh, that's a love story. It's about how people find one another. It's about how families are formed. Uh, It is also a complicated book because it toggles back and forth uh, between situations and time and that kind of thing. How do you manage the structure of a book like this? Is it all just in your head all the time and then like index cards, you rifle through that part of your brain and find it? (laughs) No, you know, like the final structure
1: right now is really, it's beautiful, it's elegant, but there's a lot of failure along the way, a lot of disappointment and a lot of sort of abandoned um, parts of of this book. So right now it it sits really orderly and neatly. Yeah, there's back and forth. The first part starts off uh, his point of view, her point of view, his point of view, toggles back and forth between. Tough to that. pull
0: that off in a book.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, and I mean, it's necessary, though, right? Because a, a, a boy meets girl story, a love story necessarily has to versions of it, right? Yeah. My version of the fight is not going to be your version of the fight.
0: And it's so, like to show The Affair.
1: Yeah, The Affair. I haven't the, seen the,
0: it. The first, the first season w- was split down the middle. How he saw things, how she sees Perfect. things, and it goes all the way through. Perfect. He could
1: have like a split screen right down Perfect, the middle right? of this book. And so, yeah, people even go back and reinterpret the past and stuff. So, yeah, it's important to have multiple points of view and especially yeah. in a family, right? To be a kid in a family is not the same as having the power of a, a parent in a family, right? So, you need to hear it from many, many different ways. And uh, yeah, so uh, I think it's important not to have like uh, a really precious, omniscient voice there telling the story as if there's one story of this family, right? This is not like a 19th century Russian novel. Um, Instead,
0: (laughs) uh, there are many different kind of ways of just viewing that moment. Well, you talked earlier about your brother and how you Mm -hmm. could not be any more different. And and Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly similar to mine either. (laughs) But we have found a way... To, to And he's much older than I am, so it was it was all that. But we we have found our, our, our commonality over right. the years, but in our later years. Right. It wasn't always there. Uh, and I think that when you have one voice speaking for the entire family, there is no possible way. Because right. we are all individuals, and even though you are part of a big unit, right. man, it can change. Right, right, and right. Things right. can yeah. shift all the time. Yeah,
1: for my brother, I don't think we had the choice. I think my parents were like, you know, <laughs> you guys are going to get along. <laughs> right? There was no option. And we would have little, <laughs> little scrubs or whatnot. But nothing ever major, and there's yeah, just yeah. a like a bass note of of like. We we're in this for good, yeah. running through it, um, so that's neat. I think sometimes people push this family identity to, at the expense of like individual identities in the family. Yeah. Like we are the the Williams clan, yeah, 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 and this yeah. is what we are about. <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, and the individual identities get suppressed in that, and those kids grow up resentful and, and whatnot. So it needs space, right? You yeah. need space for each individual to close their bedroom door and just uh, be themselves in there. Hang a poster on the wall of, of a band you like, yeah. right? Rather than be being in this household we don't do yes right,
0: right. we so, don't listen to Queen in this household <laughs> we were talking about I Bohemian Rhapsody off, so, uh, <laughs> uh, off mic <laughs> do you want more hate mail like you want <laughs> what you <laughs> listen, thought of that movie <laughs> I, I, listen I'm done <laughs> slamming that movie because oh. it just led to grief online no oh. look, Bohemian Rhapsody is fine it is just not the movie that I wanted that's to see bad, about kind of like, Queen I don't that's, know how you would remake that it brought a lot of joy. people want a fan movie right Like people want to fan movie and people want to hear the music and people want to yeah. have the chance uh, because Freddie Mercury has been gone for so long, they yeah. want a chance to see that come yep. back to life yep. on the big screen again. And I get right. it. Right. He comes I back every 20 years. I mean, in
1: another 20 years, there'll be another iteration of him, right? Like You're the really... Wayne's World 4 or That's something, right. Right? Yeah, 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 And he'll
0: be back. Yep. I'm speaking with Ian Williams. The book is called Reproduction. Uh, the book is about love. Mm. I would imagine that as a poet, you spend a lot of time writing about romantic love. That mm. seems to be kind of the domain of, of poets. But here mm. you talk about parental love, fraternal love, generational love. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the differences mm. between them. And, and, and uh, when you mm. think of love, do you think of it in the written word anyway, as a poet first, mm. because that, I think, is how you spend, or mm. spent most of your time.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think as a poet, I, I've been a sort of an anti-love poet, in the sense that I've been disabusing people of, like, myths about <laughs> love, right? So I think they expect it to be kind of flowery, and you meet this person, your heart leaps up, and, like, just, it starts raining butterflies or flowers, like yeah. a Marquez novel. Um, but in fact, our experience of love these days is about sort of selection and swiping, and and um, interpreting silences uh, when people don't message you back and things like right. there's a real odd, almost computational aspect to love these days, and I, I try to be frank about that. Right? Mm-hmm. People text in the book, right? Like, um, uh, and they discover things about themselves via social media and whatnot. Uh, so, I mean, romantic love has really, really morphed, right? I, I, I personally can't uh, hold on to my integrity and, and self respect. Uh, still clinging to, like, an ancient notion of, of what love is or ought
0: to be. Like, it's changed. It's, it's and, changed and, the whole landscape. And it's landscape. funny, like, the idea of the ancient notion of what it is changed about 20 years ago. That was, <laughs> that's right. That's completely, but, but it has yeah. changed completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and and for, you know, old guys like me who have been, uh, I've, I've never online dated and that sort of thing because I've just been, I've been with my wife for a very long time. Oh. We missed all that. I missed all that. <laughs> right. But I know everyone around me is, you know, right. does it and that sort of thing. So but it is.
1: And stuff, like, like, you will have this in your life at some point, right? Maybe. Nephews, nieces, and, and what have yeah, you? No, absolutely. And, and, oh, no, my nephews are all over it. Yeah. <sighs> yep, yep, yep. It's it's really, it's a hard thing to do, but there are other kinds of love in the book, right? They're, they're parental and generational and not, and all of that. So other types, and I think also other strengths of love, like, right. and other kinds of temperatures. Um, love is not just this all-encompassing uh always urgent passionate thing right there's kind of like mild affection and there are other words for the things that yeah. we feel <laughs> that are not just love like that make your heart burst out of your chest no, love yeah, that's yeah. Not, not not even dominant anymore yeah. there's just kind of I kind of like him electronically, but not so much in person. I don't really have much to say to that person when we meet. Um, There's that, like, we're not quite clicking kind of love. And so just various degrees and distances, I think, from love is is (laughs) what the book is also kind of exploring. And time matters, too, right? Like, the love you feel for someone... Uh, in the first year is different from in year four and different
0: from year eight and stuff. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. And I, I would think that you as a university professor, you said mm. earlier, you're 39 years yeah. old, you're dealing with people that are, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, mm. and they're looking at things even more differently, I bet you, than you are. Yeah, yeah. They've got other expectations of love. I I don't know, I feel a little
1: bit of, of a divide there. It's hard to know exactly. Um, it's hard to know when you've experience other options, right? Like right. when you can remember a time before like this digital onslaught and you remember um, and now kind of look back with nostalgia at the nervousness you felt at yeah. having to confront and ask somebody or present them with a mixtape or something. The and- mixtape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, Did that you was do my, it. That oh, man. I made thousands of mistakes. <laughs> I made them too, mostly for myself. But yeah. sadly, <laughs> though, but, um, and, and that's kind of lost. Like you can feel somebody out kind of digitally uh, first and build up a you kind can of send portfolio. A <laughs> <list>. <laughs> yeah, build up a portfolio of like emotions before you actually like meet them in person. So yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's funny though how that has changed so much in our new technological world. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we refer to it as sort of the ancient style of love has changed. But the idea of reading a book hasn't. You know the idea That's of right. reading a book and, and I don't know who That's we right. blame or not not blame but thank for that I've mm. been told that you know we should all be bowing down to JK Rowling a little bit <laughs> because people loved those books a whole generation grew up reading those oh, books yeah. and lining up at bookstores and yep. falling in love with books again. Yep
1: yep yep you know? I think it's too easy to uh, dismiss authors and musicians and filmmakers because they're popular. I mean, that's not a sufficient reason to discredit something. And so I think we owe a lot to the J.K. Rowling's and the Stephen King's and the Rupi Kaur's for poetry um, from Brampton. Um, They've done a lot to sort of invite a readership into places that were really... Critical and university uh, and academic and and all of that, and they've said, "Nope, this is for you. Like yeah. this is your territory here." So lots of respect for for popular writers.
0: Maya Angelou, someone who Maya Angelou, you know, the, the the first poetry that I that I read be, uh, because I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that I didn't have to study <laughs> right. was Maya Angelou because right. I, I I heard about it. And, right, and I, 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 read some, and I was like, oh, see, mm-hmm. this kind of makes sense. Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, like other writers think about these,
1: some of these people as like gateway drugs into mm-hmm. into like That's the right. harder, harder That's drugs. Right. But no, they occupy a space of their own, and they're practicing artists uh, in their own right. Um, so the kind of elitism, I think, that uh, other writers greet these with, um, is largely born out of jealousy, right? Yeah. And and partly and in that desire for popularity without wanting to
0: admit it. That's not fashionable. And that is something that happens in these writer circles I think more than we'd like to admit. When we come back, we continue the conversation with Ian Williams. The book is called Reproduction and it's in bookstores right now. Stay with us. Welcome back. Ian Williams is my guest. The book is called Reproduction. Uh, it's a novel. About the way that families are formed, how people come together, uh, it is destined for the bestseller charts. I'm going to say it. You've won every <laughs> I'm award like imaginable in on terms wood of writing. Here, right? <laughs> yeah, find some wood to knock on. Um, you know, when you work on something for this long, six years, is it difficult to just let it go? We talked earlier about the characters, and you still think about the characters, uh, but. You know if you know when this goes into a second printing, we'd be like, Oh, you know mm. what? There's just one thing I want to change. I gotta, ch- I gotta change this one thing. <laughs> there are already three words <laughs> I want to change, to be honest with you.
1: Um, but no, I think um, I held on to it for so long because I was protecting it, right? So I was working through it, but the six years I, I tend to be a fairly efficient kind of engineer minded right. person. Um, so it, it could have been done a lot faster, but I actually just wanted to have this world to myself for a yeah. while, yeah. and uh, it still ought to. Kind of see people holding on to it at, at bookstores and whatnot, um, but it's it's necessary, right? This sharing, it's not. I mean, I also want to do other things too. You know, right. you don't want to live in in just this this bubble forever. You right? have to clear some space. It, right. In
0: Mentally yeah. and physically to, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. something else. Yeah. Since
1: it's strong enough, I've been describing it as the book has gone off to kindergarten now. And I'm like, you know, I just wave at it from the window. It could walk its way to school. You know, nobody's going to take it and
0: like do bad things to it. But like, people will have opinions about it. For sure. And, and right, how for do sure. you feel about that? Like what, what's your take on, on reviews? What's your take on just like putting something out there that's personal? Yeah yeah That's I haven't part of you. I haven't read
1: anything so far, and uh, I will I, I'm not one of these people who hovers above it as if it doesn't matter right like I mm-hmm. it they they do matter right and they do sort of have an impact and if they're bad, I will feel bad for a okay. while, but you know um <laughs> I hope to God that I have more resilience than to let a review knock me down. Like, this is not the the center of my my world. And people are entitled to have have those opinions. You write a bad uh, review of of a movie, and, you know, like, people come
0: after you and whatnot. Uh, But listen, (laughs) I take no joy in it because I want people to go to the movies. I want people to to, uh, get something from the experience of going to the movies. I think that going to the movies... Builds empathy with yeah, people. Right. I think we are hardwired to enjoy entertainment. Yeah, on en mass sittings, all looking at the same thing, oh, hearing one another laugh, and yeah. and laugh, and it and it builds a community of yeah. a sort, even if it's only for an hour and a half. You know, that's
1: right? And if people disagree afterwards, you know, that's they're talking way. to each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're debating this and they're having a meal, and your your own point of view is enlarged for that. So. Good, bad, it, it really it, it hardly matters, right? Well, like, I
0: know what I wanted to do with the book, and yeah. so I'm, I'm Well, I, I think it's funny you say that, you know, when people disagree, and I would have agreed with you, hmm. uh, you know, 10 years ago, five mm. years ago. Yeah. But now it turns out like, well, you're stupid if you don't like this. And, <laughs> and this is not, you know, the, the, the level of discourse has changed a little bit. And I think right. what we were talking about, technology, right. has yeah. has has boiled it down to yeah. like we're on two teams. We're on team Bohemian Rhapsody or you're not. And there's no, right. there's going to be a winner and a
1: loser and nothing in between. Yeah, I think Twitter is very influential in that really yeah. sort of hardcore dike. Dy- uh, economy kind of yeah. thinking, right, uh, binary thinking. Um, yeah, it's really reductive. I I don't like that. I'm talking about like, you go to the movie with somebody that you like, and then afterwards, yes. you're like, oh, I thought that was great, no, no, no. That's different, that's yeah. that's real meaning here. Um, and to disagree with a stranger, I mean, that's that's not a problem. It actually, you talked about empathy, but it actually sort of enhances our capacity to kind of communicate with each other. Yeah. I'm gonna disagree with you, but you're still a human and I respect your intelligence. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't mean that I have to like what you like,
0: right? My wife has a degree in film. Mm. She works in film. And she has a hard time saying like I did. And so even we'll go see something together and we'll walk out and I'll be like, wow, that stunk. And she said, yeah, but uh, the apartments were so beautiful. I could have just watched those apartments. (laughs) What clothes? I love the clothes. What percentage of the time do you agree or disagree? Uh, It's more than you would think. It's more really? like we've been together for a very long time and, and it's more than you would think. It's, it's you know, 60, 40 maybe. Wow. That's um, healthy. Like it, you don't it, have
1: to share taste with people well, 90, 10, right? So no. yeah, that's healthy I think.
0: Yeah. No, I think so. And, and, and you know, it leads to some lively
1: dinner conversations right. after right. the
0: movies. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you go and see things and read things and listen to things that you ordinarily might not, right? Because yeah, this absolutely. person thinks it's great and I'll, I'm giving it a chance because of you, yeah. right?
0: So yeah, No, I think so. I think, and that's part of the give and take and that is one of of the things I think that Twitter, at least online, has stomped all over. Yep. And and I, I kind of wish that we could turn back the dial on
1: yep. that. Yep, yep. Do Twitter more responsibly, right? Yeah. I'm not sure. Like, sit in that meeting and say, hey, yes. <laughs> we see the effects time machine, right? Like, that's yeah, what that's, we're hoping yeah. for right now. Yeah, use Twitter yeah. more
0: responsibly or yeah. maybe not at all. Yeah, it's been destructive. Yeah. It's been destructive. Uh, Twitter, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know it, it's funny because I interviewed Jan Arden a while ago, and, and her her Twitter account is kind of like reading poetry, you right. know, and and right. she uses the form in a really kind of interesting way. That's, right? fair. That's And fair, she uses Richard. her she 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 chooses her words carefully and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah. You know, when you were fifteen and mm. starting to write poetry, mm. would Twitter, if Twitter had been around, <laughs> would it have been your medium? No, I, uh, well, I think for poets
1: generally and Canadian lit, like Twitter seems to be the the angry place that we go to. <laughs> 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 but I don't know, people are saying Instagram is like taking over yeah, from yeah. that, right? But we're such word people that like writers are drawn to things like Twitter and posts especially, right? The concision of it, it yep. really sort of appeals appeals to us. But no, like at 1514, I'm too vulnerable, I was too vulnerable and just too too fragile to like engage in that right. like the person i am today c- uh, c- can handle twitter but like 14 year old me in, in mr lucic's class
0: um <laughs> could not could not <laughs> handle twitter so i'm speaking with ian williams the book is called reproduction what was the 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 poem or was there a a thing a moment an epiphany moment for you when you said oh I, I love poetry, and then mm. I would assume that that leads to writing it, and mm. then there's got to be another epiphany moment where you go, well, I'm going to show people my poetry. <laughs> you know, it was it was probably my grade
1: 7 teacher, so I had great teachers, grade 6, 7, Mr. Lucic, Mrs. Cooper Bennett, I was in one of these gifted programs, and yeah. uh, my teacher um, let us pretty much do what we, what our passions, whatever that dictated, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, I read lots of poetry through this man, and wrote a lot of poetry through this man and just his encouragement and his support i I don't know it's indescribable the value of good teachers right and those really formative Mm -hmm. moments in your life um so there's that and then there's people who exist um like more nationally and things right but i think those people who do the support work in our lives need a shout out right the teachers and the librarians and public library in brampton right spent
0: a lot of time there yeah and and people that can say oh If you're checking out this book, have you tried this author or have you been pushed – that? and they know, yeah, Yeah. because they know what's there. That's
1: right. You need guidance, right, at that age and and that young. And he was just
0: perfect, right, really warm and loved books genuinely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, again, I think – some of that is gone but I do think it's coming back there's a resurgence of, of independent bookstores coming oh, yeah. back yeah. and the independent bookstores used to be a place in Toronto called this ain't the Rosedale library huh. and it was uh, exactly that it was the opposite <laughs> in every way of the Rosedale library and it had several locations around the city but uh, I used to buy two books a week there at least when I you know finances uh, <laughs> uh, uh, when the finances were available right and I would go in there and they'd always have a book or two under the the counter saying, Oh, we thought you'd like this. Yes, we, we pulled this one for you. Yes, and and I don't feel that as much in the big chains, certainly. But no. you know, like the old Sam the record man on Young Street, man, you go in and the big right. guy like say, Oh, you have to listen right. to this. And there is something to say yeah, about as a young sure. person being curated right in that
1: and way. it also means that someone is thinking of you. I mean, yeah. what what sweetness, yeah. uh, that it matters so much, right? That I thought of you and I thought about your mind in a way that your parents might sort of overlook you as right, an individual yeah. and someone said. You know, you'd enjoy this. Yeah, you're they're like, like,
0: "What's uh?" Oh. Yeah, your, your parents are like, "What what score did you get on your math <laughs> test?" <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And the book owner doesn't care about that. Yeah. So, well, and the great thing about this Rosedale Library is that they didn't really care whether you bought the book or not. Like, if you if you didn't Enough have the fat. money or if it was an expensive one or whatever, that was okay too. Right. But it was just like we thought you might like. This. That's right, right. Here's Apparently, all... there's a real Heather though. at,
1: at Indigo, right? Heather's picks, right? The recent... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, she's, she's curating. Yeah, she's absolutely. Saying she's this For millions of people, though, right? I think you would like this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah. All of you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What would happen? This is a pretty Mm. general question. And as we're getting near the end here, uh, what would happen if more people read poetry? Mm.
1: I think we'd slow down, right? It's probably the antidote to Twitter. We would slow down and we would probably choose our words a little bit more carefully. And there'd be a lot more beautiful language floating around and people pausing and saying, I like how you said that, right? There would be like these kind of ornaments, right? Just like we care, attend to our fashion and stuff. We'd start attending to our tone and how we said things. And I think the world would just be a little bit softer and a little bit slower and a little bit more insightful. And why do you think that more people don't read poetry? Mm. I think we were scared off of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh... It, it got a bad reputation and posed it some disservice in the early part of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always there underground alive, right, despite its reputation, right? It's like that, that person in school with a bad reputation. But no, when you get <laughs> to know that person, that person's really actually lovely and delightful and playful and fun. And there are great contemporary poets out there in the world right now writing great stuff.
0: Well, for me, when I, I remember in school having to do reports on, on poetry and they'd say, pick a poem, pick anything. Mm. And, and I would invariably pick a lyric by David Bowie (laughs) because for me, he was, he was doing things that I had never heard of before in words that I, in, and and presenting ideas that were complicated, I thought at the time anyway. Uh, And, and that was sort of a gateway for me as well. Right.
1: The Leonard Cohen's, the David Bowie's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you fuse that with music and you've got just another level of of experience there too. Right. Yeah. And there are organizations and institutes that, that. Celebrate Poetry, the Griffin Poetry Trust and and what have you, right? Just many good places if we do our our research.
0: My guest in studio has been Ian Williams. The book is called Reproduction. It is uh, a story about how people come together, how we find one another, and how we stay together. Uh, Thank you so much for this. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Richard. Yeah, what a pleasure. Uh, The book is available wherever you buy fine books, and probably not so fine books too, but (laughs) this is a fine one, Uh, but Amazon.ca, all the bookstores uh, within a stone's throw of your house will have this. Um, Thank you again, Ian. I want to thank everyone out there for listening, and I want to say thanks to Andre on the board. We'll talk again next week.